Kelly, I hear you practiced some swim running this weekend. I did. I might not have factored in that this is designed as a cold weather sport in Sweden and that running around in a wetsuit in California was going to be significantly hotter. It was terrible. It was really bad, actually. So didn't did you use the zip in the front of our wetsuits? Because I understand from a conversation that's coming up later with Jonas that that's what the yeah, zip no, I is did. for. No, I, uh, I, unzi- I had the thing unzipped. It was great. I, the problem was I got lost, which doesn't bode well for our compassing. So I was going to like run to this lake on this very popular coastal trail that ends in a waterfall on the ocean. So it was full of people. I may have seen like four couples that were about to get engaged at the waterfall. So you were basically the crazy woman running along in a wetsuit with paddles. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I got, then the lake is up on the left, except I missed the turn and I spent, I thought it would take 25, 30 minutes. It was like 55 before I finally found it because I ran back and forth and back and forth to the extent that a Boy Scout troop even got very concerned about me and started getting out their maps. And then in that time, I started to seriously overheat because I'm wearing a wetsuit and it's California in the sun, like 80 something. At one point, I opened the sleeve on my wrist and water, sweat just streamed out, like poured out. (laughs) So then I started to get legitimately worried about dehydration because other thing here, I don't know how we're going to carry water. I had, in fact, I didn't carry any water because I don't know what we're going to do about that because I was already carrying paddles and a pull buoy and the gel and my shoes. So, I, so then I got really, it was bad, Sarah. It was ugly. Okay. I have to tell you when I did, I should have stated this before, but maybe I should have talked about this, but on a super hot day, when I did some of my swim run training with Karen in Victoria, I did not wear the wetsuit if it was hot. When I, I wore the wetsuit, when we did it, either short, very brief ones, like the little aquathons, you know, or if we did it one day early in the morning where I wore but I promised you I was going to practice with all the equipment and this is the only time I practiced. So I was like, well, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta wear it all. Though I did have to unzip it all the way to my waist and like have it hanging, flapping around my waist for my run back. Hmm. Okay. I do think though, it's going to be colder in Maine. So we have our race on Sunday and I don't think this is going to be a problem because I do think the North Atlantic is significantly colder than, you know, a lake in the middle of California. Yeah, I think if anything, we've shown that there's still some preparation to go, but we still, when this podcast is released, we still have two days. So what could and you go know what? We're like working through our problems right now. Now we know you should bring water and also figure that out. Right. Hydration is key. Hydration is key. key. <laughs> okay, so for those not in the know, Kelly and I are doing the official Attilo swim run race in Maine this weekend at Casco Bay Islands. And stay tuned because after the credits later, I actually call up Jonas Kulting, who won the Swedish race, the Swedish Attilo race, which is like kind of the Kona, the Ironman World Championship. It's a big deal. Of, yeah, yeah. Of swim run. So he's won that three times. He's also an Ultraman world champion. And he also made our lovely swim run wetsuits. So stay tuned to hear from him. And also coming up on the show, when is it okay to DNF in a race, if ever? Can Kelly make it to the CrossFit Games? And are CrossFitters really the fittest athletes? Live Feisties, If We Were Riding is brought to you by Ass Kicker Inc., whose boutique line of activewear for women features positive uplifting messages such as strong is the new skinny and I can, I will, end of story. 
You can support the podcast, get 20% off with the code RIDING at AskKickerInc, Inc with a K, dot com. If We Were Riding is also proud to be sponsored by Crave Jerky. Crave Jerky is low in fat, a good source of protein, gluten-free, yay, and contains all natural ingredients. You can support the podcast and get 20% off your online orders by using the code RIDING at CraveJerky.com. That is Crave with a K. I'm Kelly O'Mara. And I'm Sarah Gross. And you're listening to Live Feisties If We Were Riding. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop. This time, like the last time. You better get ready to race to the top. I'm ready to do this. Show you what the truth is. I step on the field. It's time to get real. I'm feeling so ruthless. So we're not entirely prepared for our swim run, but I do keep promising my mom that it's going to be fine. We're going to finish. We're not going to DNF. Other people do this. We can do it. So I'm not really worried about us finishing, but there are times that you do DNF, DNF, do not finish. All of my editors always tell me DNF isn't a verb, but I feel like we use it DNFing. We can add it as a verb. Yeah, it's a verb. Anyway, Uh, there are times you do DNF. I mean, I'm assuming you've DNF'd. I've DNF'd. It happens. It's a thing. Yeah, I, I've actually DNF'd a lot in a my lot. career. Okay. I feel like it's a lot. I think it's partially because you remember it, you know, right. because it, it scars you a little bit. Um, I think it depends, first of all, with DNFing, with DNFing the verb, I think it depends on why you're at the race. So if you're there and it's your first Ironman or if you're there, if finishing the race is a big deal, then you should really stay in it and finish the race because I can guarantee you the day in Ironman is not going to go the way that you want it to. So you can't just stop because it's not going your way. On the flip side, the reason I say that I've DNF'd a few times is because I had this, I had this way as a pro athlete of like quietly kind of overtraining myself and not saying anything um, and ending up at a race completely burnt out. Like, and I mean that like both mentally and physically. And when I look back on my career, that like that piece is what I regret is like not taking control of that sooner. So when I started to take control of that and stop training over 30 hours a week down to 25 more intensity working on my weaknesses, I started to, I actually started to be able to come into races feeling fresher and better. And then I would not DNF. So I think, you know, I, I'm not trying to, did it, did it get in your head though? Cause obviously, okay. Obviously there are a lot of athletes out there who are like never DNF athletes. Like that's a, it's a philosophy. It's a principle. You never DNF. And I'm not entirely on board with that. And we can talk about it in a second, but one of the reasons they always point out to is once you start DNFing, it gets in your head and it becomes easier to DNF the next thing. And the next, you know what I'm saying? The next time it gets ugly, you're like, well, I already drop, I drop out of races. I'm a person who drops out. I might as well drop out now. Oh yeah. That's not true in my case. If I DNF okay. a race, I'm telling you what, like I was going to do very well the next time. That was almost a, that was almost a hundred percent to the point where I would like, it was kind of weird. Cause like, do I have to have a bad race to have a good race? Like it doesn't, nece- the bad race didn't necessarily have to be a DNF, but that kind of thing, a bad race of any kind, whether I'm walking to the finish line or deciding to stop would fuel, actually did Hmm. fuel, I'd say about 50% of the good races I had during my career. Well, I definitely used, so I always think of my, I think of my career, Sarah, Mm -hmm. as, uh, you know, like doing triathlon before, like kind of more casually post-college, whatever. And I, I was like a, a win or DNF person, right? Like I would just go all, and then sometimes that went really badly. 
And then this time around, like the last few years, we kind of adopted the more, you know, you never, you never DNF. Like you always finish something because it gets in your head. You, you know, like, and I didn't want to go backwards. I didn't want to start becoming that person again who half the time would just like blow up. And then I, and then we all know I dropped out of Louisville this past year, like fall, because I was a mess. And I do think it, I do think that like really hurt me for a while mentally to like struggle with, with coming back from that, like to, to become the athlete who doesn't do that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think if that's, if you struggle with that, then it's probably, you should probably not. <laughs> you should probably not. I, I know. think like, on <laughs> average, like don't DNF. People should not DNF from triathlons. Like, no, you, should, should, you should do everything you can to finish. Like uh, on the whole. Yes. I just also think that if you do DNF, it's like, you just need to get over it as quickly as possible. Do not beat yourself up. Do not continue to remember it time and time again because that's when you become the repeat dnf'er if you beat yourself up and told yourself how terrible you are because you dnf'd then you're more likely to do it again but if you just literally just let it go like it's okay it's not just because it's not okay sarah it's okay after (laughs) i mean after it has to be it's like it's like if you're overweight and you keep telling yourself how overweight you are and you're terrible because you're overweight well guess what you're gonna stay overweight but if you (laughs) If you interesting, learned, interesting you have to analogy. learn to love your DNF. <laughs> okay. Okay. I don't, mm. Okay. This all came about because obviously, I mean, it's a topic that comes up over and over again. Lucy Gossage wrote a very like heartfelt blog post about why she didn't DNF. I can't remember which race, but it was a bad race for her, but she finished anyway. And her points were like, one, you don't want to get into the habit of DNF, like of not finishing. Two, like you need to respect the course and the other athletes, which I actually really appreciated because it is super goddamn annoying when you're beating like half the field and then like half of the people behind you decide they weren't having a good day and they drop out. I literally had to go one time. I passed her and she decided after I passed her that, you know, she just that that was the that was so terrible. She must be having a bad day. And so she dropped out and you're like, oh, that makes me feel good about myself. Yeah, that's no, yeah. That's no good. It was like, that's not a good reason to DNF. That's not a good reason, no. Yeah. And I think the other thing is, and she kind of mentioned this, was like plenty of times it comes around. Like you think and if, you're, if you're not literally like hurt or sick, like sometimes you're like, holy shit, this is so bad. I'm going to die. I, ha- like, I can't finish. And then it comes around and you're actually fine and it's fine. Yeah. And when so. I say I was quietly overtrained, like what I mean is like <laughs> I had undiagnosed celiac disease and like related nice. thyroid issues. and. I don't feel like I can bring myself to regret those things. I just no, no. learned and moved forward. Well, yeah, if you have like an actual illness, I don't think you can be like, should have just pushed through that illness. <laughs> so did you watch the uh, CrossFit games this weekend? I did watch some of it. Probably more okay. than I should have. <laughs> I watched all of it. So I don't you think did. there is too much that one could watch. Did I think you did this too though? I started watching because they were racing a crit as the very first event. And I was like, oh, this is gonna be hilarious. This is gonna be ridiculous. They're all gonna crash. And so I like went to find the Facebook Live video and then I basically got hooked. And I like watched all four days after that of everything. Yeah, when I read the newsletter, I actually laughed out loud of that because I had exactly the same experience. A friend of mine, shout out to Megan, sent me a link to the the video the facebook video with the crit on it right and she's like oh my gosh they made them do a crit <laughs> so i linked to that and i watched it and albeit maybe they, they weren't were, terrible they, they weren't were, terrible. i mean it was like no. it was obviously 
some of them don't know how to ride a bike, but like you literally, they obviously just didn't know how to ride a bike, right? I mean, you can't expect someone to pick up a skill that they don't have. But it actually made me feel better bad. about my lifting because there you go. I'm so terrible at it. So, but then, but when you think about it, they, as they kept referring to it, they raced crit, which is not how you say that. And then they went and did 30 muscle ups for time. And then they did max lifting for total, like, you know, deadlift, squat, what was the third one? Thrusters or whatever, whatever for like a max total wins. And then they did a marathon row, like all in the first, that was the first day. Yeah, and there were four nuts. days. And then the four days were like all crazy. There was like an obstacle course. There was like a paddle swim. There was handstand walking. And then there was like regular CrossFit events. Did you see the one where they didn't know when they started what they were supposed to do or how long they were supposed to go? That they was literally like, just do box jumps till the judge tells you to stop. <laughs> that's, that's like, that's mentally just so, it was, so hard. I know. How would you pace? It's like intense. That's totally intense. Okay. And I have to admit to like total geek moment. Rosie and I today practiced handstand walking on the beach. Can you do it? And I use handstand walking very loosely because okay. I mean, handstands and maybe lucky if we got a couple steps. She just I mostly think, landed on her back. Well, fair. That is always, that's like my fear and what stops me because I think handstand walking is going to be the thing, Sarah, that stops me from making the CrossFit games. So, this is the big question because <laughs> Kelly's put it out there that she wants to make the CrossFit games. So tell me exactly like what what's on your side here like why is it that you think that you can do this and that you want to do this okay so i was like and this is terrible because i always say to people like oh well i don't even want to do i just want to make one games and like i think that'd be really cool and then i basically realized that'd be the equivalent of somebody having done like a triathlon and being like oh i'm just gonna go pro and like i just want to make kona <laughs> like yeah because every crossfit friend of mine has basically been like are you fucking shitting me like no <laughs> Okay, I kind of agree. Okay, I kind of agree with your CrossFit friends. <laughs> what? What? But, but here's what I will say is that I think I'm like a never say never person. So I think if you really wanted it, that you could do it. But I think what it would take is literally chucking in everything else in your life, including yeah. your job, triathlon, all of the things. You'd have to start doing CrossFit full time. And then you might give yourself an outside chance of making it yeah i think if you give me like two three years i'm surprisingly not a bad lifter i would need to work on my technique in order to lift heavier because uh ever since slamming a weightlifting bar into my face and biting through my lip i don't like things near my face so i'm like bad at a lot of the like over the shoulder stuff um so i'd have to work on that and i would have to perfect handstand i think that's going to be my problem handstand walking it's going to be my my it's Achilles hard heel. i can tell you because i tried but then I, oh, and I would need to learn how I can do like a muscle up, I think, like sort of, right? Like, eh. so I would have to work can on my gymnastics skill. Up. <laughs> kind of. You need like, to do slightly more than one. Just, <laughs> you know, get to throw that unders. out there. Like also like I can do double unders, but I can't string them together very well. So I got to work on those things. Oh, Kelly, I'm like the queen of the double under. I can't get the timing. Well, my hair hits the rope. That's my <laughs> I think we could find a solution for that. Uh, this is like a, a problem for the pros. So I don't know. Anyway, but there are pros. They are very good. Mm -hmm. I was doing the math on Matt Frazier, who's you know, a three-time champion biggest. There's no way he makes less than 500,000 a year in prize money, sponsorships, endorsement deals. So this is a legit thing. And I think actually having watched all week, weekend, many, many hours that other sports could learn from CrossFit. 
Now, there are things that CrossFit does wrong that they need to get over, you know, and be less culty and creepy. And now they're going to sue us. But there are things they do really well that other people could learn. They make it really exciting. They make it spectator friendly. They put like their money behind it. They really like try to make the people stars. They cover the men and women equally and not like just equal time as if they actually care about them as athletes because they're both like they're big deal. Right. And so I think, yeah, if everybody, anybody who watched the CrossFit Games this last four days is like, holy shit, like that's how a sport should be covered. Yeah, I agree with you. I feel like not that I'm not that I've watched too much CrossFit in my lifetime, but I feel like it's kind of coming into its own as a sport. I really liked the additional quote unquote cardio aspects, like the endurance sport. Um, they added additions. a lot. They added yeah. a lot this year that really made it well-rounded. Mm-hmm. Like it used to be a strength competition with like a weird endurance event thrown in. And this year it was very actually complete, mm-hmm. which brings us to. Right. They the kept claiming mm-hmm. that they, that CrossFitters are the fit. Like this is the fittest person in the world. Right. I believe Tia Claire Toomey, who won for the second year, her book is literally titled How I Became the Fittest Woman in the World. <laughs> You're like, well, all right. <laughs> So are they actually, and if not, what contest do you think would really determine who was the fittest? Okay, good question. I think that they're getting closer to being the fittest with the addition of these endurance pieces. And I mean, they've also added like a mental element with like the craziness. And they've added a lot more dexterity and agility stuff. Like you have to do a climbing peg wall thing and monkey bar stuff like there's a lot more it's not just like the gymnastics pieces there's a lot more gymnastics and stuff like that and hand-eye coordination stuff sorry about the dog barking i think uh there's an intruder (laughs) can you hear him no (laughs) Um, okay so yeah and i think the piece i wondered to and you watched more of it than i did the flexibility because to me like skills flexibility endurance strength those would be the key aspects of athleticism did you feel there was enough of a like flexibility piece flexibility is an interesting question i mean maybe there's like another event they could add to like really get it like flexibility and agility agility is definitely in there Mm -hmm. i feel like the other thing that whenever you're trying to construct because we did this in my office they were trying to construct a who is the fittest in the office competition (laughs) Right. Quite like CrossFit, but slightly lower level, maybe. And it was going to be, it was going to include like, there was going to be a day of running and they, it was going to be a day of like throwing a ball. I don't know. Right. Because they were very concerned about including a hand-eye coordination event. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So So do we have hand-eye coordination in, I mean, walking on your hands is is pretty, yeah. Fairly coordination-y. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting question. I think what you have to like, if you really were going to construct a who is the fittest, you have to think about like, what are all the aspects of fitness? And there's obviously endurance, strength. We've talked about agility, flexibility, but like, yeah, hand eye coordination has to be in there, right? Like dexterity. So I don't know. Hmm. Is there something that really gets at all those things? Well, one thing I like, one thing I think is that CrossFit has been willing to adapt because I think that's been one of the criticisms is the lack of endurance in the past. And now they're adding it. So maybe we'll see it continue to evolve and maybe it will include all of these things in future. I think it's definitely it's definitely evolving and changing because I also saw at one point this weekend they were playing a clip of uh, the first games or maybe it was the second back in like 2009 because one of the women has been competing since then. Side point. Crazy. And the video, though, showed her lifting and the other women lifting. And Sarah, they were they were doing thrusters with like a 40 pound weight. Like they were doing my weight that I 
One of them was just lifting a bar. And I was like, so it's evolved. Oh, Kelly, we're a decade behind. If only we joined sooner, we could have gone to the games. When it was like on a guy's ranch and there was no prize money. Yeah, we could have done that. That's true. Or we could just make up our own and do it and win. Okay. I don't feel like there are a lot of random events out there right now. Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. No. Speaking of random events. Speaking of random events, indeed. This weekend, Kelly and I are doing the swim run event in Maine. We've talked about it a lot. And after the break, I'm talking to Jonas Colting, who is the three-time winner of the quote-unquote world championship Attilo race in Sweden. And he also teaches me how to pronounce Attilo, which is nothing like Attilo. Well, now I really need to know. (laughs) It's something like (laughs) Ertile. And it means, no, I'm not going to tell you. You have to listen. It's after. It means island to island. Oh, I know that. I already knew. Okay. But you all should listen so, and hear the correct pronunciation. Exactly. After this. We would like to thank our sponsors, Ass Kicker Inc. and Crave Jerky. You can support the podcast and get 20% off by using the code RIDING, that's R-I-D-I-N-G, at Ass Kicker Inc., inkwithak.com and crave jerky crave with a k.com if you don't already follow us on all the social medias at if we were riding on instagram facebook and twitter and make sure you subscribe to our feed on itunes or stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts if we were riding is hosted by kelly o'mara and me sarah gross our fabulous editor is aaron hamilton time my time none of you people can tell me to stop this time like the last time you better get ready to race in the titty to do this show you what the truth is i step on the field it's time to get real i'm feeling so ruthless hi jonas thanks for talking to us today hi uh, no problem always happy to uh, talk about the sport of swim run okay i just heard you pronounce attilo properly so <laughs> tell us how the real pronunciation goes uh, in Swedish, it would be Ör till Ör, which uh, translates uh, in English as island to island, which is uh, the sort of the basic concept for, for, for that particular event. Like you start on one island in the Stockholm Archipelago, and then you go across all these islands and finish on, uh, on a final island. So, yeah, island to island, Ör till Ör. Ör till Ör. Am I yeah. close? <laughs> yeah, that was, that was pretty good. Um, the other thing that we haven't quite figured out yet is with the tether. So what are the, why do people use a tether and what are the rules around that? And like, do you have any suggestions for how to keep ourselves together? Uh, the tether is, it's, uh, that's uh, pretty much, uh, I'd say, a rather new invention for the, fa- for the first, I'd say, five, six, seven years. I uh, only raced with uh, guys that were so to speak, my level level. And uh, if you're if you're equally good at swimming, there is no need for a tether. Really, it's uh, really a tether is only to uh, it, it's only really beneficial if you're a, fa- a really fast swimmer and, and and a slower swimmer. So the fast swimmer can sort of pull the slower swimmer along, which makes the your team move faster in the water. If either one of you is you know poor at navigating you want to have a tether so you stick together so you don't spread out all over the ocean was there anything that you found surprising or hard or what do you think will be the biggest challenge for us because we're used to just swimming biking and running in a straight line 
Right. Yeah. It's uh, swim run is very different from triathlon in, in a lot of ways. I mean, uh, obviously, like most triathlons, if, if, if not not counting exterior triathlons, but any road triathlon is, a, is in a straight line. Everything is very well marked. It's, you run on a hard surface. There are not any obstacles or anything. Uh, here, uh, a lot of the running, depending on what race you do, is uh, technical. I mean, I would go as far as compared to uh, maybe orienteering or something. I mean, you're really bushwhacking for a lot of these races. And if you do the Ötelier race in Sweden in the Stockholm Archipelago, a lot of the a lot of the actual running it is not running. You're scrambling over rocks and you're you're walking and you're sort of basically trying not to fall and hurt yourself. But uh, uh, so that takes a lot of practice. I mean, being patient and uh, not taking too many risks. Uh, you need you need to have a good shoe uh, choice for for rugged terrain. I I prefer uh, like a, a very uh, low to the ground kind of trail shoe with a good surface grip. Uh, that that would be very important. And uh, I would say also as far as training goes. Uh, uh, swimming. One thing about the equipment wouldn't mention is uh, there is great benefit of to use uh, hand paddles in the water, and uh, hand paddles are allowed for any race that I've ever uh, come across in swim run. You can use paddles, which sort of mitigates the uh, drag factor from the shoes. Mm-hmm. But also in training, s- swimming for s- training for swimming in a swim run uh, is not so much about speed, but more about strength. So. I would uh, recommend doing a lot of paddle work, like a lot of uh, long, uh, like swim intervals, getting really strong in the upper body, being able to use the hand paddles. So I would, I would do a lot of like 30 times 100 long course with paddles, paddles and pool boy or paddles without, you know, pool boy, just getting uh, very, very strong, not necessarily fast, but just being able to swim repeatedly with, with these big paddles. So I think uh, coming from a triathlon standpoint, it's it's ma- managing all the technical aspects and not forgetting that just like in a triathlon, the time, the, the clock never stops in, in a swim run. So if you take too much time getting in and out of the water, mm-hmm. uh, that's going to, if if you have like, if for Eurtelleur, for instance, you have 20, uh, 23 runs and 22 swims or something, which means there are like 40 plus transitions getting in or out of the water. So being quick in and out and not stopping and not you know not having to adjust the gear uh, in every transition that saves a huge time chunk. awesome well that is really great advice and uh we're so grateful that you came on and shared your experience with us so thank you very much and uh we'll keep you posted how we go this weekend all right good luck to both of you